Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Tuesday and it's a good one. There are so many good questions today and I they're just great ones that I know most of you have just gone through or are right in the midst of or are about to go through because they're just some really good common questions about things that so many parents deal with and challenges they go through with regards to their baby's sleep, especially in those first six or seven months. So let's dive into today's questions because they're good ones. Okay, so the first question is about the four-month sleep regression. Is it okay to sleep train during the four-month sleep regression, or should I wait for it to pass before I sleep train my baby? Here is the thing. First of all, four-month sleep regression. We have talked about this in previous episodes of the podcast, so most of you know what we're talking about when we say four-month sleep regression, either because you heard about it on this podcast, you read about it on the website, or you've already been through it because you have a child who was over four months and went through this. So that really often tricky stage where your newborn is not a newborn anymore. They are exiting or have exited the newborn stage. They hit the sort of 14, 16 week mark right around four months and their sleep patterns really start to change. Either they were a great sleeper before and sleep's gotten really tough or they were already a challenging sleeper and now sleep's even tougher. So here's the thing though about sleep training during or after the four month sleep regression. If a family comes to me and says, hey Erin, I think I need to do some sleep training with my baby. He is 16 weeks old and I think he's going through the four-month sleep regression. When he was a newborn, we implemented a lot of really independent sleep habits right from the early weeks. He doesn't have any sleep crutches. He doesn't need to be rocked to sleep or fed to sleep. He never took a pacifier. He just goes into his crib fully awake and falls asleep on his own. He used to just wake up once, maybe twice at night for a feed, and he would go down on his own for naps as well. And now during the four-month sleep regression, or what I think is going on in terms of that four-month sleep regression, he's waking up many multiple times at night and his naps are way shorter than they used to be. So what do you think? My answer to that family is going to be, you know what? Yeah, I think maybe you should wait because your baby didn't have any sleep crutches. They're already an independent sleeper. You truly are probably experiencing the four-month sleep regression, and it's often only going to last, I say only, I know it feels like a million years, but it's only going to last a week or two. And then if your child is a really independent sleeper already, and you don't manage the four-month sleep regression by introducing sleep props that you've never used before, and you're just really consistent about how you manage his sleep, then you're probably just going to come out the other side of this and sleep's going to be all good again. So yeah, probably wait until after you feel like your child has exited that four-month sleep regression before you think about sleep training because maybe you don't even need to. But here's the next scenario. Next family comes to me and says, hey, Erin, my baby as a newborn was always rocked to sleep, fed to sleep, bounced on a yoga ball to go to sleep, had a pacifier, woke up several times at night, etc. And now in the four month sleep progression, sleep has gotten really, really hard. So he is waking up way more times at night and will only be fed or rocked or bounced back to sleep or we're replacing the pacifier 
seven, eight times at night. We used to only have to replace it a couple times at night. He is fighting his naps and he is taking really short naps, whereas previously he would be rocked to sleep very easily and take a longer nap. So what's going on? What do I do? I think it's the four-month sleep regression. I think I need to do sleep coaching. Should I wait for this to pass? My answer to that family is really different than the previous one because for that family, we're not really coming out the other side of this four-month sleep regression if baby doesn't at some point develop independent sleep skills. So it's likely that this is the night wakes and the short naps and the difficult naps are going to continue for this baby because this baby never had any independent sleep skills. And that's totally okay. There's no blame or shame in that. We very often many or most of us rock and feed and pacify our newborns to sleep. It's just that for many of us, once we hit that four-month sleep regression, we realize we need a different way because those things don't really work very well anymore. Or if they work to get baby to sleep, they don't work to get baby back to sleep. Baby's up a whole bunch at night. They're only taking these tiny cat naps. And so we feel like, hey, we need to figure out a different way to do this. So for that family, I would say we're probably not just going to start seeing baby magically go to sleep independently if he's never ever done it before or start sleeping straight through the night without waking up looking for the things he's only ever known like rocking feeding pacifier in order to go back to sleep now that we're in this and because that's the only way baby's ever known to go to sleep it's very likely the only way we're going to come out the other side of this with a great little sleeper on our hands is to do some sleep coaching, which means teaching baby how to go into their crib awake and fall asleep using their own sleep skills instead of going into the crib already asleep from having been bounced or rocked or fed to sleep. And so with that, we're going to help that family come out of the four-month sleep regression, get to the other side of it, and move forward with a great little sleeper on their hands. So in answer to the question, is it okay to sleep train during the four-month sleep progression? Yes, because once the four-month sleep progression happens, if your baby already wasn't an independent sleeper, we have that goal of getting him to be an independent sleeper. And sometimes parents will come to me at five, six months and say, my baby is still going through the four-month sleep regression. And I'll say, well, no, he went through it, but he just didn't have any independent sleep skills. And so it's just going on and on and on. And he kind of finished the four-month sleep regression, but this is just how he sleeps now. So now if we want to change that, we need to change the way he knows how to go to sleep. So that's the deal with the four-month sleep regression and sleep training during it or waiting until you feel like it's passed to see if it's still necessary. The next question is about pacifier versus thumb sucking. You talk about getting rid of the pacifier if it's a sleep crutch, but what about thumb sucking? This question says, I've kept the pacifier to reduce the thumb sucking, but it doesn't work because once it falls out, she goes for the thumb. It's great because she doesn't wake up, but when do you worry about reliance on the thumb? All right, quick pause, because what is more important to talk about when it comes to sleep than what we actually sleep on? I want to tell you about my very favorite mattress brand, Obison. Whether we're talking mom and dad, kiddo, or baby, Obison is my go-to for comfort when it comes to your family's sleep surface. You wouldn't want your family to sleep on anything less than the very best, and that starts with the best materials in the world. Obison's mattresses are handcrafted in Canada, and their materials are organic, ethically sourced, and chemical-free. Baby's body temperatures tend to fluctuate while they sleep. Obison's mattresses are breathable and moisture-wicking to help regulate baby's temperature levels throughout the night. And comfort knows no age, so Obison's organic 6-inch mattress for kids also features evolving support as your children grow and grow and grow. 
My own little girl sleeps on an Obison mattress, and it is a dream. And when it comes to custom sleep, Obison is all in. That's why in addition to mattresses, they also offer you five distinct pillows with unique designs and different fillings that serve every sleeping style and meet both your toddler's needs and your own as grown-ups. We want your kids sleeping great. Use code HAPPYSLEEP at checkout and receive a free wool moisture pad when you purchase a crib mattress. Head to obison.com and obison.ca and get great sleep started. Here's the thing about thumb sucking. It's really different than a pacifier. Thumb sucking is a very natural way that children self-soothe. You have probably seen ultrasound pictures of your own or of friends who have their little one sucking their thumb in the womb because children do it so early. And the thing about thumb sucking is that it generally does go away a lot earlier and more easily than the pacifier. Now, full disclaimer here, I do know that there are families who struggle with removing the pacifier well into the toddler and preschooler years, but most of the time, children start to get rid of the thumb as a sort of crutch as they get older and they want to explore more. So what I will tell parents is, Go around a playground and look at all the sort of two and three-year-olds. You will see far more toddlers with a pacifier in their mouth than with a thumb in their mouth. And why is that? Because they don't have to take the pacifier out in order to play. They still have both hands. But they do have to take their thumb out of their mouth when they want to start to explore more and play. And that's why a lot of parents see their child suck their thumb a lot less, and then have it go away altogether as they get more mobile into the end of the first year of life and they're becoming a toddler. They want more mobility and independence and they start to take that thumb out and just forget about it because they want to roam around and explore and use their hands. They can do all those things with a pacifier in their mouth. They can't do it with the thumb. So most parents find the thumb sucking goes away quite easily. Yes, you can hear the, you know, urban legend about your friend's sister's college roommate's brother who, you know, sucked his thumb until he was 16 years old and then had to get major dental surgery to correct it. And is that is that an urban legend? No, not necessarily. That, that happens. Is it the norm? It's not. So certainly you can always talk to your doctor and your dentist about this kind of thing, but just know that as a norm, most children stop sucking their thumb as they enter toddlerhood and do want to explore more and use their hands. So I don't stress about thumb sucking in infants. Next question is about a 14-week-old and that tricky last nap of the day. Question is, I'm having an issue where my 14-week-old is rejecting the last nap of the day and it results in an emergency stroller nap. Is this normal? It's too long of a wake window to go to bedtime without the fifth nap. Mama, I totally agree with you. Whoever asked this question, you're right. It is probably too long of a wake window to go to bedtime without a fifth nap if your child is only having short naps. And 14-week-olds often only have short naps. Most children are not developmentally ready to consolidate more of their daytime sleep into longer naps until they're around four and a half or five months. So totally normal that a 14-week-old is taking little naps. And that often means that you get done the fourth nap of the day and there's still too big of a wake window to make it to any kind of age-appropriate bedtime. So in that case, we stick in an extra nap. But the last nap of the day is usually a really tricky one for babies that age. They have had a long day, they are cranky, maybe a little overtired, overstimulated, and it's tough to go down for that fifth nap. So what this mom said, 
about the emergency stroller nap is exactly what I would do. If you are trying for the last nap of the day in the crib, but you are realizing we're going to run out of time for this nap soon, like soon if you don't go to sleep, it's just going to mean that bedtime is super, super late. So we need to do something here. So if you get to that point with your baby and you know you need to be sleeping really quickly, you need to get this nap happening really soon, or it's going to very negatively impact your bedtime, then go for that emergency stroller walk. Get yourself some fresh air because you're probably pretty frustrated and just need to wind down at this point. Get your baby outside and get them some sleep. Stroller, a walk where you're wearing your baby in a wrap or a carrier get that nap to happen because at that point we just want to get your baby some sleep and then after that we can do a full wake window and put them to bed for the night and still have an appropriate bedtime. Next question is about wake windows. Do wake windows start when the baby wakes up or when you take them out of the crib and do they end when you put the baby in the crib or when the baby falls asleep? Great question. I get this question all the time. There are different opinions on this. If you read different things and look at different accounts, which surely all of you do because, you know, it's 2022 and we all have so much information at our fingertips. But in my experience, what works best in terms of thinking about your baby's wake windows are starting the wake window when your baby wakes up and ending the wake window when you place your baby in their crib for their next sleep. So we don't start the wake window when we get the baby out of the crib because Many families will allow their baby to hang out in their crib for five or ten minutes after they wake up from a nap to babble and play or maybe to see if they'll go back to sleep because they only had a short nap. But if you wait and start the wake window 10 or 15 minutes after your baby's actually woken up, your baby's already started to get tired again, especially with little infants who can get overtired really easily and whose wake windows need to be fairly precise. So we want to start the wake window when baby woke up, not when you took them out of the crib. And when I talk about the end of the wake window, I'm talking about when you put your baby in their crib, awake, ready to go to sleep for their next nap or bedtime. And why is that? Because some parents will ask me, shouldn't I put baby down 10 or 15 minutes before the end of their wake window so they're asleep at the end of the wake window? I would not. Because again, 10 minutes, 15 minutes overtired is a really big deal for a young infant. 10-15 minutes undertired is also a really big deal for a young infant. So if you're putting your baby down 15 minutes earlier than the end of an age-appropriate wake window, we can't expect them to be tired enough to go to sleep. And then we can expect them to get bored and impatient and start to protest because they weren't ready to go to sleep and they've just been lying in this crib for 10 or 15 minutes. So instead, I recommend that you put baby down at the end of a wake window where we can reasonably assume they are tired enough to fall asleep relatively quickly. So that's my deal on wake windows. And finally, swaddling. Hey Erin, when should we stop swaddling? My youngest is now seven months old and the only way to get her to sleep is a swaddle with a blanket and she's also in a sleep sack. If we do just the sleep sack, her hands get so busy rubbing her face, it wakes her up. Here's the thing about swaddling. Number one rule, We need to stop swaddling if baby is showing any signs of rolling. If they could be rolling any day now, we need to stop swaddling for safety because we don't want to risk the chance that they're going to roll over in their swaddle and not have access to their arms to push themselves up and get their face off the mattress. Most seven-month-olds are getting close to rolling if they're not rolling already. So my answer to this mom was certainly we need to stop swaddling. 
The other thing is there's a blanket and there's a sleep sack. We have to think about the fact that blankets aren't considered safe in a baby's crib under the age of one because there is that extra suffocation hazard risk. So I would get rid of the blanket and having a swaddle and a blanket and a sleep sack, we have to think that we might be getting into overheating territory here. So I would just go with pajamas and a sleep sack. And there's lots of information online that you can find with regards to the thickness of the sleep sack, which is also called the TOG, and you can find that on the tag or the inside of most sleep sacks, and lots of information online about what type of pajamas you should put your baby in under what TOG of sleep sack based on what the temperature in your home is to really make sure we're hitting the right temperature marker for your baby, making sure baby's not too cold, but definitely making sure baby's not overheating. I know where this mom was coming from. She said, if we do just the sleep sack, baby's hands get so busy rubbing her face that it wakes her up. I know that's a really tough stage when you're transitioning from swaddle to sleep sack. And it's so frustrating if you feel like baby would have kept sleeping, but they rubbed their eyes or they scratched their face and it made them wake up. But we have to think about safety first, first of all. So again, this baby is almost rolling or already rolling. We need to move to a sleep sack for safety. And we need to just manage the fact that baby is still waking herself up by rubbing her face. But the other thing is we want baby to start to get used to that. Once baby is at an age where we're ready to stop swaddling, and for many children this is around three or four months because they're already starting to roll or they're already trying to self-soothe, that's the thing. We want them to self-soothe. And yes, your baby might be waking up a little bit from rubbing her face, but if you give her the time, you may also find that she is starting to self-soothe with those same hands that are waking her up because now she can reach them. They're not pinned down in a swaddle. She can get to her hands. She can self-soothe with them and she can learn how to move her arms around and feel her face a little bit and have that make her stir and rustle and wake up but learn how to go back to sleep again because we all move around a lot in our sleep. And sometimes we do wake ourselves up in the positions that we get in, but we also learn how to put ourselves back to sleep in those positions once we're able to. And your baby will begin to learn that once they have the opportunity, once they have their arms free out of that swaddle. So those are the top five of the week. That's Q&A Tuesday. I loved these questions. Some of these questions are the most common questions I get. Four-month sleep regression, swaddling, difficult last nap of the day. These are really common challenges that so many parents have. So they're questions I love answering because there are some solutions to these challenges and they're not without their challenges. They can take some time and they can be frustrating, but you can get to the other side of them and know that lots of other parents have gone through these struggles and come out the other side with great little sleepers on their hands. That's it for this Tuesday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.